This book of Second Chronicles in the Old Testament. Uh, it's uh, towards the beginning with all the first and seconds. First and second Samuel, first and second Kings, first and second Chronicles. Returning to chapter 29. Our scripture reading this morning beginning in verse 1. Hezekiah was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother's name was Abijah, daughter of Zechariah, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. In the first month of his first year of his reign, he opened the doors of the temple of the Lord and repaired them. He brought in the priests and the Levites and assembled them in the square on the east side, and he said, Listen to me, Levites. Consecrate yourselves now and consecrate the temple of the Lord, the God of your fathers. Remove all defilement from the sanctuary. Our fathers were unfaithful. They did evil in the eyes of the Lord our God and forsook him. They took, turned their faces away from the Lord's dwelling place and turned their backs on him. They also shut the doors of the portico and put out the lamps. They did not burn the incense or present any burnt offerings at the sanctuary to the God of Israel. Therefore, the anger of the Lord has fallen on Judah and Jerusalem, and he has made them an object of dread and horror and scorn, as you can see with your own eyes. This is why our fathers have fallen by the sword, why our sons and our daughters and our wives are in captivity. Now, I intend to make a covenant with the Lord, the God of Israel, so that his fierce anger will turn away from us. My sons, do not be negligent now. For the Lord has chosen you to stand before him and serve him, to minister before him and to burn incense. Then these Levites set to work from the Kohathites, Meha, son of Amasai, Joel, son of Azariah, from the Merahites, Kish, son of Abdi, Azariah, son of Jehaliel, and from the Gershomites, Joah, son of Zimnah, and Eda, son of Joah, from the descendants of Eliphathan, Shimri, and Jael, and from the descendants of Asaph, Zechariah, and Mataniah, and from the descendants of Heman, Jehiel, and Shimei, and from the descendants of Jeduthun, Shemaiah, and Uziel. And when they had assembled their brothers and consecrated themselves, they went in to purify the temple of the Lord as the king had ordered, following the word of the Lord. The priests went into the sanctuary of the Lord to purify it. They brought out into the courtyard of the Lord's temple everything unclean that was found in the temple of the Lord. And the Levites took it and carried it out to the Kidron Valley. And they began the consecration on the first day of the first month. And by the eighth day of the month, they reached the portico of the Lord. For eight more days, they consecrated the temple of the Lord itself, finishing on the 16th day of the first month. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word that is always true. Not just in that it is truth, but it is true for us today. I pray that you would speak, that you would move. As always, Lord, I pray that you'd help me to speak your words, but I believe that you can say things beyond anything that will come out of my mouth if we will just listen. To speak, Lord. To do a work 
in us today. Perhaps a work that has never taken place or it's been a while. That you would fall upon us in your presence, in your power, Holy Spirit. That you would revive us this day as we begin this new year. Move is only you can do. Take us beyond our regular religion to a greater and deeper relationship with you. And we thank you for what you're going to do in all of this. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, 2019 is over. And for some, it could not have come sooner. <clears throat> At least I know that's true for some. Things were just bad in 2019. There are those who the theme fight for joy was very, very real. Of what that was all about. And now it's a new year and you're hoping to get a fresh start in a new year. But how? How does that happen? Does a fresh start just happen because we change the page on a calendar? Or is there something more that needs to change? Perhaps there's a lot more. In fact, so much more that needs to change that we don't even know where to begin or what to do. Well, we can learn a lesson from God's people today here in Second Chronicles chapter 29. They didn't just go through a bad year. They went through a number of bad years. Look with me back at chapter 29 in verse 6 <clears throat> as he describes things that were going on. He says, Our fathers were unfaithful. They did evil in the eyes of the Lord our God and forsook Him. They turned their faces from Him, the Lord's dwelling place. They turned their backs on Him. They shut the doors of the portico, put out the lamps. They did not burn incense or present offering in the sanctuary, the God of Israel. Therefore, what happened? The anger of the Lord has fallen on Judah and Jerusalem. He has made us an object of dread and horror and scorn, as you can see with your own eyes. This is why our fathers have fallen by the sword, why our sons and daughters and our wives are in captivity and, and he, he's talking about the state of the country is very serious they're beaten they're bloodied they're uh, they're taken captive they're killed they're decimated not just in numbers but structurally economically militarily they're a country that has become mocked and something that's been going on as he begins in verse 6, it says that our fathers, as the guy is saying, our fathers were unfaithful. Ooh, and he knows more than anyone else because his father was one of the main ones. This king, the king before him, King Ahaz. In fact, if you look just up in chapter 28, from we were reading here in 29, but just go up a few verses in verse 22. In his time of trouble, King Ahaz, that's his father, as the guys who we're reading about became even more unfaithful to the Lord. He offered sacrifices to gods of Damascus who had defeated him. For he thought, since the gods of the kings of Aram have helped him, I will sacrifice to them so that they will help me. But they were his downfall and the downfall of all of Israel. 
Ahaz gathered together the furnishings from the temple of God and took them away. He shut the doors of the Lord's temple, set up the altars at every street corner in Jerusalem. In every town in Judah, he built high places to burn sacrifice to other gods and provoke the Lord, the God of his father, to anger. The other events of his reign and his ways from the beginning to end are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. And Ahaz rested with his father and was buried in the city of Jerusalem. And he was not placed in the tombs of the kings. And Hezekiah, his son, succeeded him. And so here he is. Hezekiah. Following all that in the mess of everything, what does he do? Where do you begin? How should he help his country? Does he build up and strengthen the army? Does he build up the walls and, and strengthen forms of protection all around them? Does he look for help from others? There, and there are a number of things throughout his reign that Hezekiah did that were very good in strengthening the country and, and things he did. But the real point is, what does he do to start with? How do you start the new reign as a king? How do you begin this new year? And since he was really one of the few good kings, his desire was to do right, and he had the wisdom in that moment to recognize that all the trials, all the troubles, everything of what needed done and not needed done, all those things can come down to this. It was all rooted in the spiritual. While it's true that his country had no real defense against the enemies, the greater truth he realized was his country had no defense before God. And the greatest need that they had was first to restore their relationship with God. It was this fresh start, this fresh start that ultimately restored the long lost joy that they've been looking for. We read about it later in chapter 29. If you look later in chapter 29, we didn't read that far yet uh, today. But in verse 30, you see where it talks about King Hezekiah and his officials ordered the Levites to praise the Lord with the words of David and Asaph the seer. And so they sang praises with gladness and bowed their heads and worshipped. And a little bit later in verse 36... Hezekiah and all the people at the very end of the chapter, Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced at what God had brought about for his people because it was done so quickly. They went from this very dark and sad place and needing a fresh start to a fresh joy. And it began by focusing on the spiritual. What's our first priority as we begin this year? What things do we really need to take care of? What, what are the resolutions if you make those? What are you thinking? I've I got to change this or this is going to be different. And I'm sure there's many areas that we've thought of. There's physical, the relational, there's experiential, there's all kinds of things. But first and foremost, the way to a fresh start is spiritually. Because everything else is a waste of time. Everything else is a waste of time and will not lead to a lasting, joyful difference. You might get in shape physically, but that doesn't mean you're going to find the joy and the place that God wants you to be, and that's with Him. We looked, you know, as we think through this, 
What happens? Where did they begin? Look at verse 3, chapter 29. In verse 3, it it very clearly says, In the first month of the first year of his reign, he opened the doors of the temple of the Lord and repaired them. The fresh start began with God restoring the worship of the one true God. Restoring him in the rightful place. And to do that, there was one glaring thing that needed to take place. Specifically, they needed to do some house cleaning. Both public and personal house cleaning. Getting God's house in order and getting their house in order. And we need to see this. This is not just about, you know, not just spiritualizing, which there is a sense that there's a spiritual lesson of getting our house in order, is they're getting that house in order. But look at verses 4 and 5. He's not just addressing the house, house of the Lord, but there. In verse 4, he brought in the priests and Levites and assembled them in the square on the east side. And he said, listen to me, Levites, consecrate yourselves. Get your own house clean. Now and consecrate the temple of the Lord, the God of your fathers. You know, we looked at, and many of you do know, we looked at a lot of houses uh, while we were waiting for our house in Dubois to sell. And before he brought, God brought us the house that, that we're now in. And as we went out on many and many a visit, there were a few, just a few homes that were in moving condition. There were some other homes that were that, that were good. I mean, they, they were nice. They needed some updating. They might have needed some cosmetic things, but you could move in. That wasn't a, a big deal. And still, there were some that had some things that needed work. That really, even, even maybe before, you could kind of start getting some things going in there and, and kind of see yourself there, but there's some work that needed done uh, before really could happen. But there were also a few, and only a few, homes that we went in that were just scary. I don't know how to say it. You know, you walk in, it's like, what were these people thinking? Hey, you know, putting this, like, like, it just, you couldn't believe your eyes. Why would you put this up for sale and this price and what... It wasn't just that it was in bad shape. It was like there'd been an explosion there. There'd been like pieces ripped off of walls. Not like, you know, somebody cut off a piece and they were working on something. This is like chunks out of walls or floors. And and then dirt and piles of, of trash and all kinds of debris all over. Not debris from the house. Debris. I don't know what it was. In fact, there were some things we'd walk in a room and think, what is that? And we were with a realtor, you know, and she's been around for a long time. And even she wasn't sure what some of this stuff was. It was, it was like, not only was that place not some place you were going to move right into, it was some place you didn't want to ever move into. You didn't want to go there. In a sense... That's what had happened to the house of God. It had gotten so bad. If we want to think this through in this way, that God was not ready to move in, to move back in, so to speak. 
that there were some serious things that needed to change. There was some serious house cleaning that needed to take place before the full relationship is restored with God and the worship that He and they both wanted. Not just in the temple, but because of that condition of the way it was in the temple, it was a reflection of the condition that was in their heart. Even as he said in in verse 6, they turned their faces away from the Lord's dwelling place and they turned their backs on Him. It wasn't just about the dwelling place, it was about turning their backs on God. There's a sense that we as believers in Christ are temples of the living God. We know that. We're told that in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Or in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? And so if we're going to get a fresh start to this new year, the place we need to begin is a spiritual house cleaning. We are that temple. It's interesting to note if you look at verse 17 in in chapter 29 here, Verse 17, it says, They began the consecration on the first day of the first month and by the eighth day of the month, and we'll we'll talk about that later. But they began on the first day of the first month. The new year has begun. And they began by a spiritual house cleaning of everything. A new day a fresh start, a new year should mean a cleansing of our temple, so to speak. Psalm 24 says, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in His holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false, who does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord in righteousness from the God of His salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek Him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. So how do we go about this spiritual house cleaning? How do we... Where do we start? What do we do? And this morning what we're going to do is we're going to look at two ways that the people of God here in Second Chronicles 29 went about cleaning house for a fresh start with God. We're going to follow through and, and work into it next uh, week as well. But this week, what are two ways? And really, if, if you're looking for a title, if you're looking at you have those blank things and you're keeping notes, it really is about cleaning house for a fresh start with God. And what does that entail? First, is we must completely get rid of of what needs to be cleaned out. The first thing that needs to take place is that we must completely get rid of what needs to be cleaned out. We see this in verse 15. In our passage, look in verse 15. And when they had assembled their brothers and consecrated themselves, they went in to purify the temple of the Lord as the king had ordered, following the word of the Lord. And the priests went into the sanctuary of the Lord to purify it, and they brought out to the courtyard of the Lord's temple everything unclean that they found in the temple of the Lord. The Levites took it out and carried it out to the Kidron Valley. We must completely get rid 
of what needs to be cleaned out just like they did? What is it that does not belong in our life uh, to be able to clean up our lives as God comes in? For God and and the residence that we have for Him, so to speak, in His house cleaning, for us to do that, we need to recognize what is it that needs to be cleaned out. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. And as you're turning to Colossians chapter 3, that just something similar just says it very, maybe more plainly, is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate, one another, forgiving each other as Christ Jesus forgave you. Very simply, this whole message of completely getting rid of what needs to be cleaned out is what the Bible has told us, is what it's saying right here. Get rid of all bitterness. Look at Colossians as it talks even more as we begin in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ, Colossians 3, 1. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil, desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew or circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is in all and is all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, close yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Just as their way of spiritual house cleaning was going in there and getting rid of all that did not belong. So too we're told, even within the New Testament, get rid of these things. Not just recognize that it's wrong, not just feel sorry about it. We need to get rid of what doesn't belong in our lives. Stop keeping it around clean house which which may mean in the getting rid of sin it's getting rid of things literally or physically to get rid of to throw it out of your life for it to go away it's all a part of what it means to repent to turn away to walk away from it to not just to turn around later so that you can turn right back around and go right back to it but to get rid of it to throw it out it needs to be gone it has to do with our actions. It has to do with our words. It has to do with our attitudes. Oftentimes it has to do with that which literally and physically is in our life. For example, an alcoholic, one who falls under the control of alcohol instead of the control of the Holy Spirit, 
keeps alcohol in their house. Why? Well, it's for cooking purposes. And, and to some degree, that's a valid excuse, as long as we recognize the two words I used, valid and excuse. It's an excuse. Well, I, I, I keep it not for myself, but for if, if guests might come. I think, you mean you have people who know you have a problem with alcohol who come to your house to drink it in front of you? Those people are guests? They don't care? We need to get rid of it. To stay away from it. And please understand, I'm not, I'm not just picking on, on that. That just seems like for most people it's kind of an obvious thing. If you have a problem with alcohol and drinking and you still got it right there beside you, that's kind of like, okay. But there are plenty of other things. Many, many areas of our life that should be obvious illustrations that need to be completely cleansed from our temple, from our life, so to speak. We've got to get rid of what needs to be cleaned out, block that TV channel, get that filter, that accountability software. It's a sin problem connected. Maybe it's a sin problem connected to your, your phone or your iPod. Perhaps even in those things, nothing really works. Well, maybe what you need to do is just get rid of those things. What? Get rid of, get rid of those things? I, I need those things. We can't let go, then, of the thing that causes and connects us to bondage and sin in our life. There's something wrong. And we're justifying not cleaning house. Now, I'm not trying to oversimplify this. Are there deeper issues, even strongholds that need to be addressed, than just getting rid of something yeah there probably is those things need to be cleaned out as well but we've got to stop some point in time we've got to stop which means we've got to start somewhere to find freedom and one of the places for some people eventually has to just say you know what i just need to get rid of this out of my life so that I can have some space and some freedom to finally deal with the deeper issues down that need to as well be cleaned out of my life. We read in the passage here that it says they took it to the Kidron Valley. The Kidron Valley was a burial place, a place that was unclean. It would have been unclean for them to be there as a place for the unclean, for the defiled things, for those things that cause death in our lives. There's a place to take it. And that's it. It's not a place to put it away for safekeeping later. The Kindrum Valley was a place. Bury it and done. Someone says, why do we have to take it this far? Why all this? Why can't we just do it in our head? Just kind of be done with the sin. Just kind of do it in our head. Make a decision. How's that working for you? For many people, we can say that, but you don't, we don't do it. Okay, okay, okay. But, 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 Pastor, isn't it kind of just a little overboard? All this kind of get rid of all these things and get rid of this and... 
talk about overboard. How about Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verse 29? If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away, for it is better used one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Now, in some ways, this can be a, a hyperbole, an exaggeration expression of Jesus, because ultimately Jesus notes that our problem with sin, where our sin problem is, is not in our eye or in our hand, but in our heart. But he's trying to get a message across that this is no joke. We need to get rid of that which keeps it, making it easy for us to go back into sin. Maybe it's not the eye that really needs to come out, but it's what we've been looking at that needs to come out of our life. Whatever it might be, it might be an object. It may be a person that should not be around anymore. It may be a place that you should just not go to clean it out, to get rid of. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles to get rid of it, to throw it off, and to run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. But don't stop there. To completely clean house, to completely get rid of sin is to recognize that we do need to go deeper. Don't forget to clean our, our minds, to get rid of that which is bad that we just keep putting in. Or that which we just keep nursing and rehearsing over and over and over in our heads. Get rid of it. If we're going to have a fresh start, you can't keep that. Stop feeding the monster inside that is trying to take over. And this includes our attitudes towards life, towards people. To recognize as Romans 12 verse 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, cleaning out things in your mind, in your head, even to the point we're cleaning out sin, that sin that has become rooted in our hearts is ultimately where it comes from. If we're completely to get rid of what needs to be cleaned out, we need to start dealing with what we do not want to talk about. We can do this quick, clean thing, or we can actually do what had to happen here was a total house cleaning. What is it... You, you would say, you know, don't talk to me about that. I, I don't want to hear about it. I, I, you know, what is it? Maybe you wouldn't actually say that to me. You'd just think it. Uh, but, you know, what is it? Uh, what is it you don't want to deal with? You might be able to say that to people, say that to yourself, but you can only say it so long to the Holy Spirit who keeps pressing in. So that you might press in closer with Him in relationship. Unfortunately, all too often I think we just want to do enough to get religion. We know that religion doesn't get to heaven. It's the relationship with Jesus, but then we don't do it. It's like we meet, but we don't. Recognize a real relationship with Jesus. And what is needed is that. 
Eventually there are consequences. There is discipline. Not because God's punishing, but because He's trying to draw us closer and near so that we would clean it up. Psalm 32, verse 3. Verse 5, David going through this, he says, When I kept silent about a sin, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long, day and night. Your hand was heavy on me, and my strength was sapped in the heat of summer, and I acknowledged my sin, and you did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions and the Lord, uh, to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. What is it that has a foothold in your life? What is the kryptonite that makes you weak in temptation? You have a choice. Whatever sin it is that has somehow lorded it over you, it is time for Jesus to be Lord in that area and over all of our life. And the way that's going to happen is if we clean it out for good. Not just... Say we're sorry, not just recognize it's wrong, not even just repent, but to actually renounce it. One of the reasons we continue in our sins and and continue to have this mess in our spiritual house is not because we want it there, it's not because we somehow don't want it to be free, we do. The problem is we just don't ever really get rid of it. We don't completely clean it out of our lives, it's for some reason many different reasons, still just there within reach. The longer we let the dirty mess stay on the carpet, the deeper the stain gets in, the harder it is to clean, and the more damage is done in the long run. Don't wait to clean house. Because the deeper private problems that we think no one else sees are surfacing and will surface in different ways, causing public problems that others will see. We must completely get rid of what needs to be cleaned out if we're going to get a fresh start. The second point is we must get real completely about what needs cleaned. The second point is that we must get real completely about what needs cleaned. We see in this house cleaning process that it's not just some quick dust things off and now we're just open the doors for business as usual. I had us look at verse 17 earlier as we go back to our second Chronicles passage in 20, chapter 29 and verse 17. It says they began, remember, the consecration of the first day of the first month. And by the eighth day of the month, they reached the portico. And for eight more days, they consecrated the Lord's temple, finishing on the 16th day of the first month. It took them 16 days. This wasn't just some quick little thing. You know what? Old King Ahaz, he closed up the doors. It's a little dirty in there because nobody swept for a little while. Let's just go on in, clean it up, and let's just get going. No. They did a complete... They got real about what the need was to do a complete cleaning. Not a quick, hey, let's get all us guys in there in a day. We should wipe this out. They took 16 days. All of them. Lots of them. Involved in this process They didn't just clean chunks off the floor. They got real about what really needed to be done. Even though they wanted to get on with 
the other part. You know, they want to get on with opening and get on with, with God. But to get on with God first, there needed to be a complete cleansing. Can we be honest that for many of us, as we start the new year, a new month or a new day, oftentimes that's not the way we think about it. And I'm not sure that we have fully grasped what a real house cleaning is other than some of our religious ways of coming clean that we do that we've been taught or told about or that we just kind of know. I mean, think about it, communion. We're coming before communion. There's a sense that we recognize uh, that there's responsibility in taking communion. At least many do. They recognize what 1 Corinthians chapter 11 tells us about communion, about the Lord's Supper. 1 Corinthians 11 says, Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many... You of you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep or died. I mean, most of us have heard that. Most of us grasp that this is serious. It's not just some religious thing. We're not just doing this, that, that we're supposed to examine ourselves. We're supposed to, to, in a sense, do some spiritual cleansing. But do we get real about how complete that spiritual cleansing needs to take place? And how really can we do that when... Oftentimes we come, it's communion, some of which we already knew was going to happen. Either we got a message we know on the first of the month, that's what we do here most of the time. We come to this communion and our spiritual cleansing, our house cleaning before we take communion is basically a quick dusting a couple minutes before the pastor passes out the elements. Oftentimes we're being more religious than we are real with God. We're throwing up a quick prayer before we throw in the bread into our mouth. Is it possible that the kind of cleaning that we're doing in times like these is more like just spitting on a Kleenex and wiping the dirt off our face before we take communion, before we come for God in this thing that we know is serious? Are we really taking serious the kind of house cleaning that needs to be before God? Are we washing not just the whole face, but all of us, the cleansing of our whole being, so to speak? I know there's a sense that there are some that every day, maybe many of you, that every day are trying to keep a short account with God, to make it right with God and... and And that's good. But are we doing a deep kind of cleaning that has given the Holy Spirit time to answer the prayer of Psalm 139, for example, in verses 23 and 24? Many of you have heard this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We pray that, but do we really give the Holy Spirit time to answer that and to work within us what needs to be cleansed and cleaned and work and for Him to do that work? Or is it just a quick wipe it clean? I'm not talking to those who who only do spiritual house cleaning when they see piles of, of, of 
junk in their life and sin. I'm not talking about those who want to just hide away their sin in a closet. I'm not talking about those uh, who, who don't want to get into any kind of deep house cleaning or anything like that. Instead, they just want to settle for a religion or I just want to settle for what's the least I can do and still be called a Christian, which if you understood what Jesus said a Christian was, those two things don't go together. You can't say that. I'm talking about those of us who really sincerely want to work to keep our spiritual house clean. Not just so it looks good for others, but so we feel good before God. And it's a good thing. But is that kind of cleaning going on? I mean, yes, we've got this regular kind of house cleaning, but think about it in our actual homes and what we do. How many of us not just keep the clean house kind of thing, but truly do a house cleaning behind the beds, behind the, in the closets, in this. How many of us actually do that kind of cleaning, all the different places that people and you don't see all the time, but it's still, you know, there's dirt back there. Now, I recognize that some of you in your house may say, well, I really don't care. And... If a guest comes to my house, they don't see it. And for all that matters, if a guest comes to my house, they really shouldn't care either because uh, they're not going to be a guest long. (laughs) Right? You know? But here's the thing. We're talking about our spiritual house that Jesus stood at the door and knocked so that he might come in with us, not to be a guest, but to be the Lord and the master of the house to have access to every single inch of our life. And we are good. Many are good at doing regular cleaning. But when do we do the spring, the the New Year's, the, the kind of complete cleaning that looks behind the things and recognizes what's there, what's been there? Obviously, we all fall short. But even if there are times within a year, even like now, to really take that time to clean house and a complete cleaning. For look, for that help, for the Holy Spirit to help us in this. Uh, Up on the front pew, right over here, the front pew, uh, the chairs, the very first one in the front here, there are these pages right here. You don't have to grab this. I didn't make enough for everyone uh, necessarily. I can if we end up running out. But it's, a, it's called a disciple's spiritual life inventory. Basically, it's kind of like a tool, a, house, uh, a spiritual house cleaning tool. It's not the only one. Don't take it as the thing. Obviously, the one that does it is the Holy Spirit as you ask Him to work. But sometimes we're like, I don't know where to scrub or how to do and what to do when we're talking about spiritual house cleaning. I mean, obviously, we can listen, we look, but if we're trying to get behind things, if we're trying to really make a complete and total cleaning, what do you do? This may be a help. I have other things that we've used in the past, and there's some other things uh, as well. Don't, don't take this to be a, 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 a somehow a definition of how spiritual you are or how spiritual you aren't. All this is is think of this as a cleaning tool and ask the Holy Spirit to help 
Let's go through this. And so as the service is over or even as we're getting ready to serve communion, you want to grab that, you feel free to be able to do that. But here's the thing. Having said all of this, there's been much of the talk of recognizing that we have a responsibility in this, and we do. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13 talks about it. But it also says in verse 13 that it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. It is God who does this. You know, that spiritual house cleaning, the God's house cleaning that took place here in Second Chronicles 29 was done by the priests that went in. And they cleaned it up. Guess what? We have a high priest in Jesus Christ who can come into our lives and do this cleaning. It's not just about you trying to get good because we're not, but He is. It's about allowing God to come into our life, surrendering it all, opening the whole house, recognizing those areas that need to come clean and getting rid and saying, help me with this. Do the work. That's His role. Jesus is not just to be our Savior. He is to be our sanctifier. The sanctifier, the one who makes us holy, the one who cleanses us. It's not just our job. It's our job to join Him in what He wants to do to set our life apart and holy, a cleaning process that He and He alone can do as we surrender every square inch to Him in our lives. As we go beyond just a surface and religious cleaning to get ourselves ready for the glory of God to fully come in and move and work in our lives. Father, I pray that you would help us as we come in this moment to communion with you. That you would help us search our hearts. Lord, I can ask this now, but surely you've already been speaking about different things throughout the message, throughout as your word has been opened up. There's different things that were mentioned. Lord, that you would help us that right now, as we ask your blessing upon all of this, that we would not just do this religiously. Lord, help us not to grab a hold with one hand to the bread and yet in our other hand keep a hold of the sin that we need to let go of. Those two can't go together. Help us with both hands to grab a hold of you the sacrifice that you've made and what you want to continue to do in our life. Thank you for the cross, for saving us, for all that the, your body being broken for us has done. But thank you as well for your blood that was shed to make us holy, to sanctify us and give us power to live the life that you're wanting. So move in us now. Help us even to begin that process of house cleaning with you at a deeper level. In your name we pray.